Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is high church versus low church. Grab yourself your tennis shoes or some knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, this comes somewhat from the different church services that I keep seeing popping up one place or another or hearing about as we talk to relatives back in the Midwest. So I want to start with the entire concept of high church versus low church. What does high church mean? This is one of those terms that gets bandied about among church people. So if you are not a church person and you haven't heard this term before, don't feel badly. This is just one of those things. Okay. It is a term that is used often in liturgical churches. So congregations that follow that kind of gathering word meal sending and have a rhythm and a pattern to the liturgy, maybe they call it the mass, Okay, those kinds of pieces. So Catholic, Episcopalian, Lutheran. Sure, we, Presbyterian, some, most of the mainstream ones that you've heard about. Right. We end up having this kind of, we do lots of the fancy stuff or we do less of the fancy stuff. Okay. And that's where you start to get people talking about high church versus low church. Okay. So when I think of fancy stuff, I think of my Catholic upbringing, and I think mm-hmm. of things like the sprinkling of the holy water, which I absolutely hated getting wet, oh. especially when I started wearing glasses. Or when you first started doing your bangs with hairspray and you get that belt of water. It's no good. Asperges is what that's called, and I love asperges. Do you? <laughs> I want one of those holy wands with the water sprinklers so bad, but they're so expensive. Are they? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you ever used one? I've never been to a Lutheran church where one of those has been used. Oftentimes when it's done, we end up just using branches from outside. Oh, sure. So you go out, you grab a tree branch, and then you splash everybody like mad. That. It's great. I love it. Isn't honey. (laughs) And people don't like it. Well, No. And then the other one I remember is, especially on your more special high holy days or Mm -hmm. something like a funeral, incense. Oh, the incense, which usually gave me a raging headache. Yeah. And that's one that I also cannot do because my asthma. Okay. So incense is another piece. And for folks that have scent sensitivities or asthma or those kinds of things, I went to a conference once. It was a liturgy conference and I couldn't attend any of the worship services in the chapel because the incense was so thick oh, wow. that I couldn't be in the room. And it was just being used? It was like a normal part of the way that they mm-hmm. were doing things? Mm-hmm. Wow. It was a part of the service. The censer, that's um, C-E-N-S-E-R, I believe it's spelled correctly. Okay. That's one of the things that the incense can come from. And then there's the thurible, and that's the thing that they swing around. Oh, that's the one I remember. And they teach you how to swing the thurible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And in some, like, Orthodox churches, you've got this huge version of the thurible that is as big as a human body, and they swing that thing all around. There's some really cool videos. Wow. That's amazing. I got the chance to step into some Greek Orthodox churches when I was in Greece a while ago, and let me tell you, You can tell that that's being used a lot just from the darkness of certain areas of that church. It's pretty amazing. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. 
beyond those kinds of bits and pieces, you can also consider what you're wearing as part of a high church or low church experience. Is that true? Yeah. When we're talking about the high church, what we're talking about is that kind of use of the smells and bells. Okay. That's a way to say it. The smells and bells that go with it. So incense and possibly bells for various and sundry different points during the service. And it can absolutely move over into what kind of pyramids. How is the altar draped? What's happening with the candles and those kinds of pieces? And of course, then the alb and the chasuble and all the pieces of what the presiders wear. Okay. So the alb is the base robe that presiders may wear. And then there's the stole, which is like the yoke thing that we wear. Okay. And then there's something called a chasuble, which is the big half circle, big circle-y kind of thing. And they each have a different purpose, right? So when a person is wearing an alb, you know that they're helping to lead the worship. Okay. When a person is wearing a stole, you know that they are an ordained word and sacrament person. If it goes diagonal, then you know they're a deacon and a part of the diaconal ministry. So word and service kind of people. Wow. If you have someone who has on the great big half circle table clothy looking thing, the chasuble, that's so that if you were far away from them, like in a cathedral, you know who the person is that's presiding at communion. Oh, very clever. And normally you only put the chasuble on right before you preside at communion. So you walk out, you wash your hands, you put on the chasuble, and you come back out and preside at communion, and only the presider wears the chasuble. Interesting. Okay, what about the big old hat thing? The miter. Yes. So the miters, the big, tall, pointy hat things, are for bishops. Oh, okay. And then there's something called a crozier, which is the big, tall staff, C-R-O-Z-I-E-R. Okay. It's a big, tall staff, and the crozier is, again, a sign, a symbol of the bishops. Does any of this translate? The, I keep thinking of the Catholic Church again and what you see the Pope doing and then the cardinals mm-hmm. and the bishops and then this, that, and the other. What translates down into the Lutheran Church? Any of this? Some of it, absolutely. I okay. mean, the robes for cardinals are different. The robes for cardinals are the black robes with the red trim. Okay. And the Pope's uniform vestments sure. are unique to the Pope. And the papal hat is different than a cardinal's hat, right? So the head coverings are different. So those are all parts and pieces, which are different than how the Orthodox Church does the high church stuff. So when it comes then to the Lutheran tradition, it starts to rely upon the piety of the individuals involved. Okay. And the communities that are involved. So we're a part of the Protestant Reformation. And in that protest... We said that a lot of those trappings were just trappings. And we don't need them? We don't need them. And some of the Protestants went really far and said that not only do we not need them, but that they're detrimental. Okay. And that's where you get, during the Reformation, groups of Protestants who went in and destroyed things like icons and churches and... I want to say that's more of a Calvinist is one of them that would whitewash over any paintings in the church and do that kind of stuff. Right. And so it happened all around the same time period. And so we, I think Lutherans, we kind of talk about how it's Catholic light. Sure. (laughs) So if high church is super smells and bells, lots of symbols, lots of 
symbols through what we're wearing and symbols through what we're doing in the service, then Episcopalians are like a teeny tiny step down from that. And they, the Episcopalians really like their smells and bells. Yeah, they and do. And they do like beautiful embroidery on their clothes and things. Gorgeous stuff. And then you've got the Lutherans, right? So some of us do the smells and bells and are pretty high church. And some of us wear jeans and a t-shirt, maybe a stole over the top of it, and play a guitar and loosely follow the ordo of gathering word meal sending. Okay. Super low church. Is that a pastor thing or is that a congregation thing? Yes. <laughs> Meaning it's a both and. Okay. So some pastors are very gifted at serving in high church settings and understand the pomp and circumstance of holding the space and understanding how to properly veil the chalice, for example, and how to properly do the asperges with the things, right? Some pastors are just gifted with that. And some pastors are super gifted with holding that low church feel that in the Pacific Northwest, a, an example might be Holden Village. Okay. That kind of quiet community, still a lot of sacred and holy to it, but not as pomp and circumstancy. Not as gold not and as, crusted. Not as gold and crusted, not as, I mean, it's still deeply rooted in the tradition. So I don't want to say it's not deeply rooted. It's just a very different, it's the difference between like going to a fancy five course meal versus going to a buffet. Okay. They're all amazing. You're going to overeat at both of them. One of them has really refined food and one of them has really hearty food. Neither are bad. They're just vastly different. And the kind of people that really want that really refined food will not enjoy the hearty, hearty, heavy stuff. And the people who are looking for that hearty, heavy food are really not going to enjoy the hoity-toity stuff, right? Okay. And I say hoity-toity not to dishonor it, right? But it's just different people are fed by different things, quite literally. And that's where we start to have high versus low church. Okay. Not to do the Lutheran Church a disservice, because there are times and places where I have been to some very high church services. Lutheran. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's out there and it's possible. It's just not so much the norm, especially I think out here in the Pacific Northwest, where there isn't as many churches being as well attended as there may be other parts of the country. And I think it also has something to do with heritage. Okay. I think that a lot of the Lutheran Church in this region harkens back to cultural roots that don't do big pomp and circumstance. Okay. In my experience, and people can prove me wrong, many Scandinavian congregations are not worried as much about gold and silver as they are about doing good things for their neighbors. Okay. And not having it be noticed. <laughs> sure. Right. So there's a little bit, I think, in this region where, yes, I can think of a high Lutheran church that I have experienced in San Francisco. But in my experience, having served from San Francisco Bay Area to the Washington Canadian border mm -hmm. along I-5 and various places, that's the only really high, high church Lutheran that I know of. Okay. So... 
in this particular time and space where you can't actually go to a church and therefore get your traditional service, be it high or low, it's really fascinating to me how that sort of translates into what does a service look like these days. And I'm interested what you feel is necessary for any sort of church feeling for Central. We'll start there. And how you may or may not see that changing as this pandemic lockdown sort of continues. So I think we should, for future listeners, since we have been doing this for many years now, and so we assume this will be around years from now, we should say that this is April of 2020. And so we are mid first wave of the coronavirus pandemic. Yep. And it's relatively new for us to be doing worship online only. Yeah, we're only a couple of weeks deep into this. And we are four services. Yes, it's still a strange (laughs) experience for everyone, I think. We're shaking out the bugs. Yeah, four worship services. We just got past Holy Week. So when I started thinking about what does it mean as the Word and Sacrament pastor for this community, that at the end of the day, the buck has to stop here as to what our worship looks like. Sure. That's my call. I will not abandon the ordo. Okay. Gathering word meal sending matters. There's a lot of debate about offering meal, offering communion online. Oh, interesting. Okay. So in those first weeks, I shifted to gathering word sacrament sending and kept that third piece focused on our sacrament, which was baptism. Okay. So leaned into that promise as opposed to going to communion online. One of the first things I like to teach when I arrive in a congregation is how the liturgy flows. Because I am a liturgy nerd. I may not read very high church, but I love the liturgy and I love the puzzle of it. And so I sit down with the congregation and I teach the puzzle pieces. And then I say, what are the puzzle pieces that if you took everything out, you would have to have these puzzle pieces to feel like you had a worship service. And so thinking back through what Central answered five years ago, Mm -hmm. coming up with what are the critical components for this community to feel like they have attended a worship service together, understanding that our ability to stay focused and our ability to stay engaged with each other online via Zoom is going to be smaller than our ability in the room. Fair. And so that was the first step for me in creating online worship. The second piece for me was trying to decide whether or not to go back into the sanctuary and stream it like there were people there, like it was a normal Sunday service, or whether or not to abandon that idea entirely and try something completely new. Because we've been live streaming for a very long time. We have. For about four years now. So we know how to live stream from our sanctuary with no problems. We have all the equipment, we're ready to go. But it felt... Like it would be a disconnect. This is an interesting part. And this is mainly where my biggest question came from, because a lot of the people that I know back in the Midwest or other parts of the country are still filming in the church itself. And I don't know if that was part of a high church, low church thing, or if it was something else at work. Honestly, I think part of it is resources. Okay. So think about those small rural congregations with questionable networks. Sure. Even for you and I in Metro Portland, where there is a strong infrastructure for telecommunications, 
we've had bumps recording the podcast because my internet is cutting in and out. Imagine small rural communities where internet is not a solid thing. And so trying to do Zoom or trying to do video conferencing would be incredibly bumpy for the majority of the participants. So for them, the safest thing to do is record and then upload it. Okay. So many of those congregations, what you're seeing is something they record on Tuesday or Wednesday, and then they have Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to try to get the file uploaded for people to be able to watch because the uploading time takes forever. And half the time, the platform will pause out and it'll dump and you have to start completely over. Oh, that's exciting. And so for areas that don't have the kind of telecommunication infrastructure that we have in Metro Portland, that 100% makes sense to record and then upload it. Well, the biggest change and the most fascinating difference that I can see between the two philosophies is you get a more quote-unquote traditional feel when you see somebody at an actual church, which Mm -hmm. is instantly recognizable. And yet for a lot of what you keep talking about and that I feel is important, at least from our standpoint here, is church is not a place, church is the people. And that's what you get in a Zoom conference that you don't get otherwise. And that is what is important for Central Lutheran Church. Okay. Right. We are in a place and space where we are able, because we have the technological infrastructure, we have leaders who are savvy enough to be able to help make it happen, that we can prioritize individual connection instead of something that doesn't have that interactivity to it. And definitely for us, for me, the reason being is that I want our people involved in the worship service. Sure. And not just sitting back and watching it happen. It's okay. We've live streamed for years with people sitting back and watching it happen. But when it's the only thing we're putting into the world, that participation of the membership, liturgy literally means the work of the people. And so to take the work away from the people completely felt like a disconnect for me. So what we're doing reads really low church. Fair. Yeah. You know, I wore a collar for the first time for our Zoom calls on Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. I haven't been wearing collars. Yeah, but I got to be honest, especially knowing what I'm knowing with people and everything else. The fact that you're putting on makeup and getting dressed and showering is just, <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> and fully dressed with shoes. Exactly. <laughs> right. But I, it has been a lower church for us and less pomp and circumstance for us. And it's because the priority for me has been less on making certain that you could see that it was church and more important that you could feel that we are being the church in this time. That's lovely. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. Is there one thing about a super high churchy experience that you miss and kind of wish you could incorporate or have again? Oh, so much. I love high church <laughs> other than other than incense. It's kind of silly and it's total adiaphora. And if you don't know that term, go back and find our podcast on adiaphora because it's one of my favorite words. The burst and veil on the chalice. Okay. Which which is the covering and the veil over top of the chalice. There's a whole process, a proper process 
of how to fold the veil and place it into the burse and set it to the side, and then the reverse to reset the table afterwards. And that fastidious, slow, methodical, sacred treatment of the paten and the chalice of the bread and the wine with the coverings and how clean it looks afterward and everything in its right place. I love that. <laughs> it's super awesome. <laughs> well, especially in a time of what seems to be complete chaos. Right? Yeah. 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 I got to say, I actually miss, and again, this is partly my Catholic upbringing, being in some sort of a church where whomever is on that organ is pulling out literally all the stops and you get to hear it live. I miss that. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about high church versus low church. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for joining along with us. Hope that you are enjoying our pandemic podcasts as we find our new way to recording at this time. If you have a topic you would like to suggest that we cover, we would love to hear from you at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.